Uh, okay, um, good afternoon, everyone. We're recording today in the afternoon. So, um, welcome back to the Big Six. Ah, uh, <laughs> it's, it's been a long time. It's been a long time since we recorded that. I don't know, it's just different things that have been coming into place. Um, there was a, a while back, I recorded with two people, but um, my laptop got infected, so I lost the recordings. Then I got sick subsequently. I had exams. Uh, now I am working. Yes, I am working actually. I'm, even though it's IT, just IT, I, I, <laughs> I am working. So um, I am here this week um, off of a, an action pack weekend. I'm here with Afalabi. Um, our co-host and with Alex Thank Stewart you as usual. Thank you and Alex Stewart from T4 Football. <laughs> hey, Alex. hello. How are you? We're doing good. Thank you very much for having me. You look, you look good, not in the scattergram. You look. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Welcome. Um, firstly, before we get into this, we have this thing we do every weekend so for every guest we ask who your goat is who is your goat Messi um, Lionel Messi who has who has only been able to score one goal in the sixth best league in the world or Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> <laughs> or Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> yeah um, I, I'm personally for me uh, I would have to say Messi just ah. in terms of over I know I know but overall <laughs> overall um, I think yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, the whole PSG thing is really interesting, isn't it? It's a yeah. it's a weird project. The the squad that they're putting together there, or have put together there, there's yeah. a a real mishmash of players. I I mean, there's players that I love. I love watching Kylian Mbappe, Marco Verratti. I really like. Um, I've always been a fan of Idrissa Gay, so I yeah. think uh, it's nice to see when he gets minutes, but. I suppose, yeah, you have to give you have to give credit to uh, Ronaldo because the Premier League obviously is is, is a higher standard, and even if the team is not doing that well, which I'm sure we'll come on to talk about, um, he is still, you know, putting up important goals. So mm-hmm. yes, that that is impressive. But I prefer Messi. <laughs> so there, you've gone against me. You've gone against me there, and you went for Afolabi. So. I don't know. Afolabi, I think there are like three to four people that have gone for Messi and probably only one for Ronaldo. So I think <laughs> you're 4-1 up. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, this weekend, uh, Leicester, City, Leicester City, they got smashed by Chelsea. I don't know. I, I can't say what exactly has gone wrong at uh, Leicester City this season, but it looks like um, probably is, is, is Rodgers losing his touch there or or something else. What do you think? I think uh, I think the the injury to Wesley Fofana was really important. Um, I think the way that Rogers likes to defend aggressively um, to assist with that pressing game. I think Fofana was the player that really allowed them to do that. You had Evans kind of sweeping in behind, yeah. but but Fofana and Soyuncu as well with that that really aggressive, dynamic defending of space in front of the box set the tone for all of that. Um, I, I still think Brandon Rodgers is a very good manager, and I also think that that Leicester squad has enormous quality in it. But you also have to look at the fact that, you know, Madison has had injury problems this season. Harvey Barnes has come off a long period uh, having been injured last season, Jamie Vardy is getting older. Um, I think Patterson. Oh, sorry, 
my alarm went off. I think Patson Dacker's actually um, done very well, kind of in the in the minutes that yeah. he's got, and obviously he got those four goals in one game in Moscow. But there is a slightly transitional feel, maybe to Leicester's attacking options at the moment. They have had these injury problems. I, I would expect them to rebound relatively well. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. Um, I feel like we, is it is it just me or? Chelsea, are you guys boring now? I don't know. Chelsea just seemed generally boring. I was watching your game. There was no, there was no like climax or something. Even the Chelsea fans, they are not celebrating wins anymore. I, you guys won, and I, all I was hearing was, um, "We should have scored more." This, that, this, that. Is, is that, is that, is that what happens when you win the the Champions League? Your standards are so high, or or, or what's causing that for you guys? <laughs> I think the standard is higher now. But our chess matches are not boring. That's that's a lie. People have been telling for some time now, saying we use five defenders and stuff like that. But I think it's all about the standards. You can see we we knew right up from the start that uh, we could beat Leicester. We knew we had better players. I mean, even checking Chelsea Chelsea's bench, you could see lots of quality players that would demand yeah. players that would think would go for. I mean. Going even going to uh, players on loan. I mean, you could see some guys that are on loan from Chelsea, and you could see that these guys are going far. So, uh, really high standard. And to tell you, know, we have a system. Everybody knows what to do in the system. So whether is uh, Benchiwell is on or Marcos Alonso is on, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's the second or third option, they know what to do. They know when to fit in, and so that's really refreshing for Chelsea fans. And you know. Whenever we don't win or we draw points, we know it's just it's just normal. These things happen, so we, we kind of trust the process right now. Your process has speed off already. What are you trusting again? <laughs> you, you literally just won the Champions League. What 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 else are you trusting? <laughs> um, sorry, Alex. What what do you prefer? Do you prefer for defending corners? Do you prefer um, zonal marking or uh, man marking? Um, I personally, uh, I would say probably a mix of the two. Um, I think it's really important to cover uh, the near post area as a zone. Um, I think you want to aggressively man mark the opposition's strongest headers of the ball because it's very important to get that initial contact in and to try and you know disrupt their movement, keep them in position, whatever it is. But I also think if you go strictly man-to-man, then obviously that leaves room for late runners, um, people appearing in the box, second phase ball, that kind of stuff. So yeah. probably a mix of the two um, would be sensible. Uh, you know, I think I think Chelsea are lucky when they defend set pieces because they have such aggressive headers of the ball, particularly Rudiger, obviously, is, is yeah. the main example. But Thiago Silva's really good at attacking the ball. Chalabar obviously is like six foot four, I think. Um, and Edward Mendy is such a commanding goalkeeper in that space. So they are able to, to defend their corners really ably because they just have that competitive physical presence as well. Um, I, yeah, I was really impressed with Chelsea. I thought they were fantastic. So I, I asked that question as regards the um, the goal, that, Chelsea's first goal from the corner kick, Chua. Uh, I think it was Rudy Gard that scored it. And it was the same way Arsenal scored mm-hmm. theirs against Liverpool just before the um, international break. Just a player at the at the um, near post and he just crosses it into um, 
Schmeichel's right hand side. And it feels yeah. like they've tried zona. Is it that they are they're not marking aggressively or they're not following the runners because they were marking um zonally? So yeah, or was it a mixture? Well, it's that that yeah, it's they're not following the man. Because if, if you watch Rudiger does that for the goal, and yeah. then literally five minutes later, he does exactly the same thing and just fails to get contact, yeah. but the movement is the same. It's that that sort of 45 degree angle run away from the near post. Um, and I think if you have a man marker that follows, then, you know, you're able to get a nudge in the back. You're able to contest that. Maybe even you get high enough to, to deflect the ball away, that kind of thing. It, it just felt like Leicester's defenders weren't prepared for Rudiger pulling off in that direction, yeah. which was weird. And, and particularly if you let him score from that scenario, don't let him do the same thing again yeah, without yeah. being marked. Like that's just very poor decision-making. Um, but, you know, we've seen a lot of Premier Leagues invest quite heavily in, in set-piece coaching um, at the beginning of this season. You obviously, Arsenal brought in someone new over the summer. Aston Villa had brought in someone. Um, Brentford have got a long-established track record of working with set-piece yeah. coaches. So Manchester United as well, actually. Um so, yeah, you know, it is an area of the game. Maybe only 10, 15% of goals come from set pieces, but that's still an area if you can crank that yeah. up, if you can really make an effort defensively or offensively with your set pieces, then you're clearly going to get an advantage. Definitely. Um, then the, for the second goal, I think we saw Leicester trying to mark in a 4 4 2. Um, we were trying to mark in a 4 4 2, but the thing was, the lines, the lines was not, they were not compact enough. Maybe it was just because probably this was the, this was one of the first times um, Sumari and Indidi were playing together. So they were always far mm-hmm. off from each other. So like for the first, for the second goal, Kante's goal, what happened was James, yes, James dribbled past, um, he dribbled past Sumari. Then all of a sudden, as he dribbled past Sumari, all the, Leicester defenders, they were tracking back. They didn't, they weren't aggressive or something. Probably they were trying to stop runners from making those runs. So they were tracking back. As they were tracking back, it left so much space for Kante to run into. And yeah. with Johnny Evans, I think that happened a couple of times when the someone that was bringing the ball, an attacker with the ball was coming and he was reluctant to go ahead and mark, probably because of his injuries or um, confidence or something like that. But he was reluctant to go ahead and press. So that's what happened. And it gave... Kante, so much time. Kante could have played a million passes in that place and it would have led to a goal and it's still short. So um, I think it was just as a result of their defensive um, organization. Then, uh, what's the name? Pulisic and Ziek came on. They make they made quite a difference. Um, Aflabi, I think, is, is is this becoming more of Ziek? Is he just going to be coming off, this, off the bench now or, or is just whenever he's needed? No, I think uh, it's not about him coming off the bench right now. No, he's, not, he's not yet a bench player. Okay. He's not yet a bench player right now. The okay. thing is, uh, he's very talented, as we all know. Mm-hmm. But Tuchel is very, he's very keen on fitness. You know, he's very keen on fitness. So you can see Otin Odoi has about one month or so of matches of fitness and training ahead of likes of Pulisic. Ahead of uh, even Timo Werner. So we might not be seeing Timo Werner in the Juventus game. So he's very keen on fitness, very keen on the drilling and the uh, the team teamwork that he has built, the chemistry he has built with the players on. So if you want to stay in the tutorial team, I think the first thing he has to stay fit. 
yeah. can't be off and on and expect to just come in into the team and make the starting eleven. So yeah. we'll see throughout the course of the season. There's a, there's still a lot of matches to be played. Yeah. I think Zek is going to get more minutes. It's game time. Then um, I think there's this similarity I saw in your build up to probably the the way Liverpool build up or something like that. It's the importance of either of your centre backs, either of the two that are on um, Thiago Silva's right or left hand side. So it's either Rudiger or um, Chaluba, and I see it a lot, especially with Rudiger. Those runs that he keeps making forward with the ball. So he did it a couple of times. Um, I think was it the match against Southampton? But Lukaku's goal was really offside. But yesterday was um, rather Saturday was Chaluba that did it, and he made the pass into the air, which led to um, Pulisic's goal. And I think um, Chaluba's um, rise this season has been fantastic. Out of probably just like nowhere, and we just said, "Wow, this is this looks like a very fantastic player." So um, kudos to Tuchel, actually. He has made so many players that we just thought were just ordinary or something. He has made them look fantastic. And uh, that's, that shows great job. That shows what a great job he's doing there, actually. So let's start trashed again. Then we'll move on to... Do we, do we have to do the hostile game, Avlavi? <laughs> do we have to do the hostile game? This is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, before you know where the match was at zero zero, and you know, uh, Ateta and uh, Klopp were giving us the show. I messaged <laughs> you, and I was like, <laughs> "I tell you, this game is going to fall." <laughs> and you actually did. I decided not to reply you, and you were text. It was basically texting yourself <laughs> for my DMs. <laughs> Alex, how how was the fight to you? Would you think what what do you think caused it? After the old, sorry, after the old uh, money and this thing incident and all, do you think that was like one of the reasons Liverpool were able to step it up? Because right there, right there, I wouldn't lie, I was so aroused from what at, watching Ateta and uh, club fights. It was it was so sexy from Ateta. I mean, this PG eighteen or something like that. I was so like when we were watching the match, everybody was like, "Go Ateta, go!" At, we we're all clapping for Ateta, so we really enjoyed it. But I think did that energy transmit to the fans and likewise transmit to the Liverpool players? As we all know, the way Anfield is when it's rocking. Yeah, I think I think you have to assume that to a degree. Um, I mean, look, the simple fact is that Liverpool are a fantastic side. I mean, yeah. you know, the 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 third and fourth goals particularly, it, it's very difficult to. But people will criticise Arsenal for this. Obviously, they've come into this game on a ten match unbeaten run. Arteta's changed the system to this kind of slightly inverted 4-4-2 thing, which seemed to be working really well. He's bringing in these younger players. Everything's looking great. Then they go to Arsenal. Uh, they go to Liverpool and Liverpool just hammer them, right? But which Premier League teams, apart from Manchester City and Chelsea, defend those last two goals properly, yeah. right? The speed with which they were executed... Yes, with the second goal, the ball was given away. That was unfortunate. The first goal, again, slight sloppiness. But really, I think when when Liverpool are firing and they get that quick interchange, the ability of Mane and Salah particularly to know where each other are, the speed of transition that Liverpool have, like that is so hard to defend against. Yeah. And And I think, you know, what, what you have to... <laughs> I mean, I know jokingly we said that, Chelsea fans are trusting the process, the process being <laughs> they've got one of, one of the best three coaches in the world and one of the best three, four squads in the world, probably. Yeah. But I think if you're an Arsenal fan, 
I personally, I'm not an Arsenal fan, but um, I, I would, I would look at that result as being kind of a blip. Like it's not something I would stress about because yeah. I think Arsenal are moving in the right direction. I think you've got really encouraging signs. The development of Smithrow and Saka on either flank, the partnership between Lacazette and Aubameyang starting to gel really nicely up front. Aubameyang's increased pressing workload. Yeah, I think everyone Conga as a pivot. Like there's there's so much that's looking good about that Arsenal team. To go to Anfield and to lose to such a young squad, one too. bit, such a young squad, young yeah. squad, plenty of new signings, and they lose to one set piece goal. They lose to one really sloppy mistake, basically. Um, And then two goals of, like, genuine brilliance. Like, it's not great, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah. It's it's not actually, and I I think that I just left Twitter that night because there were so many reactionary tweets from Arsenal fans. I think we all know the way Arsenal fans are. There were so many reactionary tweets. So I just like, and when you start getting sucked into that, I think you just start changing your mood. So like after the match, when I just went online and just saw what was going on, I just like, I totally zoned out from um, Twitter since mm. that day. But I think the, the last two goals were just as a result of us trying to get a goal or something. So there were so many of our players high up as opposed to the beginning of the match where we're sitting back, playing out from playing out from their high press and different things like that. So it's it's just one of those things. It happens. We move on. But can, can we talk about Ramsdale again? Afolabi, yeah. Afolabi, Afolabi, you know, you know, after Mendy, who is the best keeper in the league this season, statistically? Yes, Afolabi? This season, yeah. I should be Ramsdale, should be Ramsdale. Okay. No, no, don't yeah. say it should be. Please, answer Statistic- me. Ramsdale. Okay, good. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you said statistically, so if I'm going to choose a goalkeeper, I mean, I'll still take the likes of Alisson. I'm and sorry, please. Afolabi, we can't hear you again. We can't I mean, hear you. Looking at, looking at what they've again. done before. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Alex, Ramsey, Ramsey uh, statistically, in terms of um, post shot expected goals plus or minus, Aaron Ramsdale is statistically the second best goalkeeper in the league after Edward Mendy. Yes, that is correct. Thank you. However, I also think, like, no, 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 no this is this is positive. So, okay. I, I was really surprised when Arsenal pursued Ramsdale and spent so much money on him, yeah. and I I think it's a massive credit to obviously the Arsenal scouting department, but also the coaching team. Ramsdale has adapted his game so much, right? The the way that he's kicking the ball, the way that he's playing it short, being part of this deep build-up that Arteta favours, that is something that we've never seen from Ramsdale before, right? He didn't do it at Bournemouth. He did well, he tried it at Bournemouth. He definitely didn't do it at Sheffield United. So they've obviously seen something in his ability to play with the ball at feet. Like he's really confident with that. Um, we did a short video on it at Tifa, actually. Yeah. Uh, and then you add into that, you know, th- there's this clear kind of strength of character there, which is, you know, if you're an Arsenal fan, you want a goalkeeper who is uh, confident, who's shouty, who's not afraid to order his defenders around. Um, and it feels like Arsenal have found a proper goalkeeper for the first time probably since Jens Lehmann, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's really impressive. And he's, he's all around. He has everything. As you said, he has absolutely everything. So he, he, has, he has shown to help our defence and different things from there. But hopefully we move on. We have Newcastle next. Hopefully we smash them. 
and <laughs> <laughs> well they are they are really bad like if you lose to newcastle then you then know. you can come back and talk yeah. about problems but yeah what what if they have a new manager bounce now a new manager bounce i mean i don't uh, like i think it's yeah i don't know it's weird isn't it because they talk about so so obviously steven Gerrard comes in and aston villa press more in that one game and he's banned certain types of food from the canteen and so on. And you just think some of this is media generated nonsense, like the the stuff about that, you know, he's not going to let fizzy drinks be bought in the canteen. Like no manager's doing that. Um, I think teams do work a little bit harder probably when there's a new manager. in. Yeah. Um, I think, I think sometimes you can see, that a manager changes stylistic elements that are important. So, you know, you can you can often, if you watch a Sam Allardyce team over the first five games that he's in charge, you will see a change in the defensive structure. It is more organised. It is more compact. Like, they, he drills these basic things in. Um, I like Eddie Howe. I think, he's, I think he's got genuine ability, but I also think Newcastle are in a really difficult position now yeah. um, because that is not, that's not a great squad. That's the problem. Like You're moving away from a squad that's played in a certain kind of way for quite a while now, is used to playing this five at the back, is used to being very counter-attacking, is used to relying on Sam Maximan mostly, also Callum Wilson's pace when he's fit. Yeah. That, that it's a big set of changes to implement. Hopefully, hopefully they don't get it right before Saturday. <laughs> I don't think they'll get it right before Saturday. <laughs> I think you'll be fine. Hopefully. Then we go to the biggest one, the big one of the weekend. Mm, Very yeah. I think. As happy as I was with the defeat, it was at the end of the game that it just dawned on me that, oh yeah, Oli is getting sacked. Yeah, I definitely agree. <laughs> it was so painful. Just leave this guy there for us. Leave him there at least until Arsenal play Manchester United. Just leave it there. But uh, Watford got so carried away and they just they continued scoring. I, I think 2-1 would have been okay and Ed Woodward and the like would have left him. But no, they just had to score four and ruin the fun for everybody. Which is really bad. <laughs> Which is really bad. Um, basically, from the starting lineup, um, Greenwood, Greenwood had COVID. Pogba was just having his three match brand. And I think the surprise for me was not seeing Fred start. Pogba is injured too. Is it? Is it okay? Yeah, yeah. He's injured from France. France. Yeah, okay. I, I totally forgot that. Then um, I, w- I was surprised at not seeing Fred start. Do you, have, do, you have, do you have an idea of why um, Matic was starting ahead of Fred? Alex? I don't know. It seemed like a weird one to me as well. <laughs> I mean, I don't... Fred, Fred and McTominay together is not the best double pivot in the Premier League. No one thinks that. Um, but at the same time, like... I mean, Matic had maybe one or two good moments. There, there was that carry through after about 10 minutes yeah. where he then played the pass too heavy for uh, someone to run onto. I can't remember who. Um, but 
you know, he's just he's just a bit slow now. He has got a really good range of passing. He reads the game well, but he doesn't have the physicality to compete. And you know with Watford that they're going to play it long. There's going to be a lot of rushing to second yeah. balls. Um, you know that they've got tricky, quick wingers on the outside who are going to make out-to-in runs that require the midfield double pivot to cut back across and help the fullbacks out by going two and one. Um, and it just seemed like United didn't plan for that. Like Fred covers that left-hand side when Shaw goes forwards really quite well, um, you know, and allows Maguire to, to push up a little bit as well and do that kind of carrying and passing thing that you were talking about with, um, with Rudiger, for example. Fred's energy and industry would have been useful there. I don't know. Maybe there was a reason. Maybe he wasn't like a hundred percent or something, but I, I'm not sure what that would be because I don't know any more than you do on that score. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we, sorry. Do, does anyone still have a in their FPL? Wow. I'm getting it. I'm getting him out this week. I've <laughs> given him enough chances. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what's just, wrong with him. I'm just I, getting a notification that maybe I think it's the team. I think okay. I'm I'm just getting a notification that um, Michael Carrick has dropped Bruno Fernandez for United's Villarreal trip. Wow! Wow! Oh, wow! That's interesting. <laughs> Big statement that one. <laughs> Let's see how it unfolds. Besides, Let's see they how need, that... they need that game badly. Yeah, they need it. I don't know. Okay, so. He's gone. He's gone. Fred McTominay, and then playing behind Sancho, Van der Beek, and Martial with Ronaldo up front, and he's playing Tellus at left back instead of Shaw. Okay. Interesting. Well, Shaw's not on the bench, so maybe he's injured. Yeah, I think Shaw was substituted in the last match. Yeah, yeah Shaw's got a head injury. Okay, yeah. that's fair. But yeah, I mean, Van der Beek's a great player. I just think. I think the way that United attack the box and, and build up around that area, like it doesn't suit Van der Beek's game particularly. Yeah. He's he's all about short passes, yeah, peeling around the man, finding himself in space. He likes to be yeah, he wants he wants to be he wants to be ahead of a team that's sort of moving the ball like in little kind of up and down, up and down, but gradually getting further towards the opposition box. Whereas United seem to be at their most effective when when they're attacking quite deep and using the pace of players to run onto the ball and, you know, whether it's Rashford or Sancho or Ronaldo to, to attack in behind. Um, and it doesn't feel like Van der Beek's game is entirely suited yeah. to that, but maybe Carrick's going to try and play slightly more of a possession style of football. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, t- talking about Van der Beek, uh, I, I got to, I think the first game I watched was that 4-4 uh, trailer, Chelsea versus Ajax. And, I think Van der Beek will suit in almost any midfield because he's not a defensive liability. Mm. So he's very aggressive. He marks the ball well, just mm-hmm. like Mount. So I still don't understand why Uli has not given him enough minutes because he's not going to mess up behind. So that one was uh, has been a shocker for some time for me. So. Yeah, I don't... I mean, he wasn't that... So, so with Ajax, they would play... They tend to play a three-man midfield, even if he was the most advanced one. And they quite often have a legitimate holding midfielder in there, someone like Ed, Edson Alvarez. Um, but yeah, I, I, it, it seems really odd to me. I think he's an excellent player. 
and and the continued not using him struck me as a very strange circumstance. Maybe. Very, very. Um, the what's what down? Okay, then. Then the next one. Um, within six minutes, United considered a penalty again from a <laughs> Bruno Fernandez miss kick. Um, the mm-hmm. guy saved it fantastically. Then, uh, but it was he had to be retaken. Sal was very woeful with both free kick, with both um, penalties. Very, very woeful. Luckily for United, they escaped from that. And there's something that I always um, talk about. Anytime we're, we're talking about United, there's always something I talk about, and it's how they are unable to structure their playing out from the back. It's, it's never looked like they've been, they've been taught that in training or something. I, I, I don't understand. This. Either, it was either McTominay or Fred were always occupying the same position. Puba was trying mm-hmm. to direct where someone was meant to go. It just, it just never looked right. It just never looked right. And Watford, I don't know, Watford played like they were the team that was in the top four and United were the team that was battling relegation. They pressed United so high up and maybe it was as a result of the weaknesses they knew United had in playing out from the back one, then in Maguire and Lindelof especially. So within like 25 minutes, they, they had already registered five shots to Manchester United's one on target. And they eventually scored from um, an Emmanuel Danis cross into the box, uh, which Josh King scored, by the way. Very good goal. But I still fail to understand how that happened when United had like six to seven players in the box at that moment. And United had like, and um, Watford had just like three to four players. It just seems like a recurring team too. Like the same goal they scored, I think the third goal against Leicester too. After United had just scored, then... um, Ayuzi Perez just went in and crossed for Vardy to score again. So it seems like other teams are getting a lot of joy crossing from the wings against United. And I, um, I think I was reading one, it was either one of your articles. Yes, one of the articles from The Athletic where they talked about um, Maguire's um, reluctance to go out and press and the fact that his starting mm-hmm. position has been so much deeper, deeper this season. So do you think that's also as, that's one of the reasons? Because you saw it for these guys going to SARS go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Massively for Sarsgold. Um, Yeah, that was Mark Carey's article. Really good article, yeah. actually. Um, yeah, I think it was clear with Maguire, it was clear for, for the second goal, like you say. Um, I think the first goal, you know, Wambasaka's header, it, it, it should either go behind or it should go out to the yeah. side. You know, all, all Wambasaka does there is he heads it out into an area where Sancho is trying to get there and Messina um, blocks him off slightly, but um, Sancho's not far back enough already. That that yeah. defensive compactness that you were talking about, Leicester not having, United didn't have it either. Um, and I think the other issue then is that inside the box, I mean, Josh King, he's a good striker, right? He's not a great striker, otherwise he wouldn't have left Man United. But <laughs> basically all he does is move a metre backwards, and no United defender goes with him when he makes that movement. Like, it's a quick movement, but still. So you've got sure is marking Cleverly, who's made that late run into the box from the right-hand side, well, from Watford's right-hand side. Um, and there's another United sort of player towards the D. But effectively, they had like two or three men who should have been able 
to get in either get in the way of that cross or to make it difficult for King to move backwards and score. Um, so that's like bad reaction defending. Yeah. And then and then for the second goal, it's just bad defending full stop. Like there's missed tackles, the ball bounces off Sancho, and then he just jogs after it. Maguire doesn't step out to Saar. Um the higher is beaten at the near post-ish. Oh no, it's it's slightly across him, but um it's it's the the Dennis goal that's um at the near post. But it, it just like you just look at that and go, at what point of the pitch did those problems start? Yeah. Like it's it's high and wide and it's in central midfield. Like I get that the defenders make individual mistakes there for both of those goals, but also if your wide players are so far forwards that they can't get back and help because you're trying to counter-attack, mm-hmm. then that's a problem. If your central midfielders aren't coming across and helping out or are quick enough to help out, because Matic gets done on the left-hand side for the Sargol, like that's a problem as well. So yes, it was just back-to-front kind of systemic issues for United. And and it looked it looked like they had no confidence. Really, I think that was what it boiled down to. You know, it was, were, people people are sloppy, right? When they are worried about what they're supposed to be doing because they are focusing on other things. They're yeah. focusing on trying to where they're meant to be or how they react to stuff, and and so their their response to what actually happens specifically on the pitch that's what goes at that point. So that's when you get a miss kick like from Bruno Fernandez, or you get. Yeah slow reaction time from central defenders at the near post, that kind of thing. It's because there's too much going on in the head because they don't have that immediate sense of this is what we do. And if you contrast that with how Chelsea build up from the back, for example, you know, Chelsea against Leicester, you can, you watch a Chelsea game now, you know what the patterns are going to be. Yeah. You know that that player is going to drop into that space. You know that those fullbacks are going to push there. You know that if there's a, that passing lane is cut off, then somebody else is going to drop in. Like you can predict everything that happens in a Chelsea game, mm-hmm. but because they're so good and they do everything so quickly, you can't stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, United, you can't predict what they're going to do because there's no pattern. <laughs> it's just zigzag. Anyhow. Yeah, basically. Yeah. They just make it up as they go along. Yeah. And and because, you know, if you've got good players, sometimes that works. A lot that that saved them a lot last season and the beginning of the season where Ronaldo they'll be losing there in the moment of magic from Ronaldo Greenwood you just come up and yeah. save them especially against that Wolves um, that Wolves the first game I think one of the first games of the season um, Varane's first game where they won one zero and they were just saved by Greenwood won that shot and in a bit of Traore or Trincao to hit that score from one on one positions then um, mm-hmm. just um, that's it. Sancho came on. Van de Be- Ironically, Van de Beek came on and he scored the last goal of the Ole era. And it was really, it, I think that was one of the best cameos I've ever seen in the last mm. two to three years. I don't know. We're just coming up taking chances. Fantastic one against Atalanta too. Yeah. When he came on. Yeah. So I think he should have deserved the 13-11 after that mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. It'll be really interesting to see how he does this evening because I agree. He's, you know, when he's come on, when he's come on with enough time to do stuff, he's looked good. 
Yeah. You know, if you bring a player on with five minutes to go, what are they (laughs) supposed to do under those circumstances? But yeah, we shall see. And then our our boy, uh, what's his name? Ole. Ole has gotten sacked. I've not even watched the 11 or 14 minutes farewell video that the United fans posted on him. But I think everyone that has watched it was saying that that video, if you watch that video, you understand why it was never good enough for for Manchester United. And I think everyone should give that a watch too sometime. So um, we've come to the end. And I think this week we tried to make it very, very short. So we tried to make it within like 37 minutes as opposed to like the previous one hour, one hour, 10 minutes that we used to use. So um, thank you guys very much for coming on. Thank you, Alex. It was no, th- thank you so much for inviting me. It's been really fun. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, have a great day. Same to you. Yeah, Cheers. Take care. Yes. Um, 